Welcome back to another episode of The Rest, a podcast where you get to hear the rest of the story and where we continue the conversation that Sunday started. I'm your host, Jared Jacobus, and Joel is right next to me. Yep. Let's go. How are you, Brother Joel? Good. I miss calling you Brother Joel. Brother? Yeah. It just seems appropriate. It is. It's very appropriate. You know, we're all brothers. We're all brothers, man. Christ. That's right. How'd your week go? Hmm. My my week is good. Yeah, busy. Yeah, yeah we got a lot full, going man. on. Yes, yeah, Christmas full, time. Busy. Yeah, I remember you don't like the yeah. word busy. It implies some some. It implies that not you're just not. Excuse me. It implies that you're just filling your time up with stuff. Yeah. And that it's not important either, but it's like a necessary evil. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. You're just you're doing. You're not. Yeah. But everybody says you're busy. I know. Oh, I'm busy. Which is just, I don't know. I think it's like become so ubiquitous that it's become meaningless. Yeah. So that's why another reason why I say full. Yeah. I like that it uh, makes me stop and ponder. Yeah. Well, we have Christmas coming up soon. (laughs) We're getting things. We're getting things ready. We're getting it ready, man. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited for the choir. Yep. I love a good choir. Right. Uh, the thing that I love about a choir is that um, a lot of them don't have to be like incredibly amazing and it can still sound amazing. That's right. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, that's good. Are we going to have um, anyone like dropping down from the ceiling and... Like playing an angel role? Yeah. I saw this clip from a Texas church that had like drummers suspended at the ceiling. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. that Seems like a little much. That's a little aggressive. Yeah. Maybe just like little babies coming down. (laughs) Lower down slowly. Yep. Well, um, let's get into the sponsor of the day. Let's do it. It's washable markers. Wow. Do you remember the days when markers used to not be washable and your kids would draw on your, you know, like your cabinets and your doors and all that kind of now, stuff? Aren't, the, aren't you just all of the Crayola them. markers <clears throat> washable markers? Yeah, but there was a day that they didn't exist, Joel. I, I don't think they, I don't think that's true, Jared. I think they existed before the foundation of the world. No, I think they existed when we were little kids. I had them when I was a kid. No, no, because you remember a time when they didn't exist. I do not That's remember a time. That's the whole premise for this bit, Joel. I don't remember a time that washable markers <laughs> didn't exist. Unless well, they ta- did. Unless we're thinking of a different thing. I'm thinking of washable markers. Crayola, like the normal yeah. pack of markers. Yeah, came out in 2015. You're making that up. <laughs> Well, Anyways, it was a yeah, terrible yeah, time, remember, Joel. It was a when, terrible yeah, time. A terrible you know, time. you couldn't wash them off. Right. But then Crayola stepped up, and they had a solution. Yeah. They said, why don't we make these things washable? I love that. That would solve, that would solve 95% of— Their complaints. Uh, yeah. The emails that they were getting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they weren't getting emails. Well, they weren't emails. They yeah. were mails. They were getting literal snail mail. Faxes. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's the sponsor of the day. That's nice of them to, uh, yeah, pitch in. They uh, they they're giving every listener a washable marker. Every listener, one? every list of wow. listener. Wow, yeah, that's pretty dope. You know, it's uh, it cleans up. I find a, 
a washable marker to be annoying. Because they're smudgy? Yeah. Yeah. You can't really I like, mean, they're for mark kids. anything with them. It's to make parents' lives easier. I guess. It's not for the kids. It's for like coloring paper. Yeah. In part three of Happy Holidays, yeah. John spoke on the redemptive story of God's reuniting with us. Uh, reuniting us with him after humans fractured that relationship by bringing sin into the picture. Mm -hmm. John started by talking about we as humans have a purpose and that our purpose can only be fulfilled when we exist in relationship with God. And mm -hmm. everything we do is empty and lacking without being united with him. Mm -hmm. He talked about the separation that occurred in the garden, that God's holiness is so powerful that when we became sinful, we couldn't be in his presence anymore because it would destroy us. John continued with, God's presence needing to be contained in a holy space, and that only the most righteous priest, upon going through a cleansing process, could enter the tabernacle, which is where God resided. But God's plan of redemption was that we would one day be able to be with Him again, and that plan brought about the need for our Savior Jesus. John referenced Scripture in Matthew when Jesus took some of the disciples up on a mountain, where He started to become transfigured, and Moses and Elijah also appeared. Peter knew that they couldn't be close to that amount of holiness, so um, he offered to build tabernacles for him. And um, God spoke and showed up and showed them that he is bringing about the way in which they can be reunited with God. John ended with explaining that the glory of God is now within us through Jesus. We are now able to be with God and Him with us, and that we are given the most amazing gift— and that it's that we can step into the throne room of God through prayer and talk with Him. Mm -hmm. um, so John talked about everything that God has done and is doing is grace, mm -hmm. but it doesn't always appear to be that way. Mm -hmm. Why is God's grace something that is so difficult for us to understand? Um, I think there's a couple reasons why. The first one is for the Christian you know, in, in the West. And I don't say that like I, you know, understand all the different hemispheres and historical, uh, the to the total historical implications for all different hemispheres. But the general idea in the West is that grace is something that's very tightly tied to salvation. Yeah. And so that's how we think of it. Yeah, hey, I can see that. So then when we start to think of it in other ways, it uh, it it almost doesn't mean the same thing um, to people. It means well, that's just part of God's goodness, or that's just part of creation, or whatever. Or but but when you start to understand that the whole reality of human existence is a gift, an undeserved gift, yeah, then you see that. It's all grace from beginning to end. Uh, theologically, that's called like common grace. Uh, I think another reason that people don't see everything as grace is because life is so hard. Yeah. So things get really difficult, and then it's, well, God is basically, in the paradigm of everything is grace, Um then God is is uh, completely expunged from any guilt. 
of bad things. Yeah. So I think when people uh, have a cancer or tragic things happen in their lives, then it's, well, where's God's grace? Suddenly that event or reality erases um, so much goodness in their life that they don't see the broader picture of what they are hurting so much for yeah. well, it is a gift it, of grace. It doesn't necessarily erase it. Right. It just hides it. Or it, it yeah, it makes you blind to it. Yeah. it it's, it's hard to see it until you allow the scriptures to expand your worldview of who God is and what he's done and who, what he's created and what he's put into you know motion here is okay you're suffering you're challenged you're challenged in this moment but the only reason you care about that is because you have this thing called life that you intrinsically desire to be so good well that thing that you have that you want so much to not be bad was a gift that God gave you and you didn't deserve it yeah so in a way you don't realize how much you're wanting what God has given you and you see its value so um so maybe starkly in in that moment um but you don't recognize that the only reason you're in pain and the only reason that that pain and suffering matters is because what God has given to you that is good you really really want yeah so i think it's hard for people to have their mind expanded. I mean, you kind of come to the place to the end of yourself. If you just go down the rabbit hole of everything God has done is really, really good and no one deserves it. And, and uh, we're lucky to be in it. And, yeah. and uh, it's way bigger than just what happens later or salvation. It's the whole, the whole deal. Do you think that everyone at some point notices they're missing something in their life when they aren't in a relationship with God? I would imagine that every person uh, experiences tremendous or uh, what I would say, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Meaningful suffering. So the Christian the non-Christian, so everybody experiences meaningful suffering. And so I think that suffering shows everybody that there's something wrong. Yeah. Or yeah. missing or needed. Um, so referencing the passage in Matthew, the disciples saw Moses and Elijah with mm -hmm. Jesus. Do you think the disciples recognized who they were? It's a good question. I'm sure they are familiar with them, but... Does it say... I can't remember in the passage. Does... Do they say anything? Um, I can't remember. I think they talk with Jesus, but I don't, I don't know if they talk to the disciples. Yeah. I wonder if that's just later they realized who it was. Yeah. So they wrote it down. That was Elijah. That was... They would have studied them, right? Oh, yeah. They would have... Yes. So, you know, I mean, maybe Moses, I don't know, 
That's interesting. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how they knew. I can't. I have to look at that closer. I don't. That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, when they descended the mountain with Jesus, he instructed them not to mention that event mm-hmm. until after the crucifixion mm-hmm. and resurrection. Why did he instruct them to hold on to that until then? Well, some of some of Jesus's. Um, telling them to hold back was just to um, orchestrate the timing okay. of everything and when it would need to happen. And so I think some of the times when he would tell them not to go do this and not to go do this or say this, he knew that they would and that it would get out. And so, you know, he wanted to control it and he was moving and and actually I believe he had a timeline of going to Jerusalem during the Passover. Yeah. And so I think part of it was just controlling the schedule of yeah. when he would, you know, uh be arrested and then he would be okay. the sacrificial lamb. I think that also um uh there's more going on with the transfiguration than just, you know, um, what there's a lot of different things that are going on. Um, and one of the things is that the, the kind of Jesus transfiguring into kind of his wholeness in front of them was not just for them, but also for the spiritual forces that were in that, area knowing that okay he's here to do this specific thing and now it's time to get him dead uh, okay and that's so, interesting um, i've heard some some authors talk about how that transfiguration was a trigger point for deception uh, okay that uh you know the spiritual forces of darkness were tricked into thinking that Jesus was going to do this type of thing on earth that would destroy them. And so they were deceived and thought that they had to kill him. And that was Jesus's plan to get them to be so concerned about his fullness that they would kill him because in order for him to do what he came to do, he had to die. Yeah. And so there's a lot, there's a lot going on there. Um, uh, you know, them not telling anybody is also, so Jesus is being scrutinized, right, for this messianic uh, figure. Well, for the disciples, Peter, James, and John, to say that they were up on the mountain with Moses and Elijah would also bring them in under a particular level of scrutiny for, you know, that's equally, you know, blasphemous to to maybe not technically, but it's a pretty large claim. We were up on the mountain with Moses who are, you know, these guys. And then that could thwart kind of what Jesus had intended. And, you know, he, he intends to have this meal with them and he intends to have it at Passover. And, and so I think that, there's there's lots of reasons why he's doing it. Have I tapped into the full mind? I'm, I'm not sure, but but there's a couple. Those are a couple ideas. John spoke on how significant and powerful prayer is. 
Um, I at times have a hard time going to God mm-hmm. uh, with prayer because I feel like I'm not worthy of that gift. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice that would help someone like me realize I'm not only worthy, but that God actually desires it from us? Hmm. You feel like you're not worthy of it? Like at you times, feel like- I'm like, how am I worthy of being able to... Go to the creator you, and talk you to really, him. You really don't do it because you kind of feel... At times. Mm-hmm. Well, do you, do you have the conviction that the Spirit of God is dwelling within you? Yeah, but that um, that's also like something hard mm-hmm. to wrap your head around, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that... Like, logically, I understand it, but like emotionally and like the real sense of it's hard mm-hmm. to practically press. yeah yeah i don't know i think it it um one of the things that paul talks about a lot is according is how jesus died rose from the dead and he uses this phrase according to the scriptures so With that phrase, what he's doing is he's tying everything that happened with Jesus to the narrative that led up to the to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, which is the the narrative of the Old Testament, you know. And he's saying like this is this is the thing that we've been waiting for. This does connect to our past, and it 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 is the promise. It is the new covenant of what God has to do in order to redeem humanity. This is the messianic uh, fulfillment yeah. of Israel. And so when you start to look at the patterns of the Old Testament and, you know, um, you know what John gets into a little bit is the presence of God and being in the presence of God and, and then how salvation and Jesus's life, you know, has to, you know, make it so that we can be in the presence of God again, that the, the the nature of the presence of God is basically, it's a key piece of the entire story. So when you start to see they were with God, then they weren't with God, then God wanted to be with them. So he's going to be with them through a nation, through a tabernacle, through a temple, and then through, through Jesus. And then through the, you know, the church and the, the body and our body becomes the temple, and now God dwells with us. Yeah. You know, it, it, I don't know, it becomes, I think, more and more real to believe yeah. that he's with you, um, that he wants to be with you. So, I don't know. I think that if I was you, I would probably bug God about that. Okay. That's my advice. Like, God, I don't always sense your presence and I don't always feel like we're connected and I don't always feel like I deserve to even talk to you if this is all true. Will you will you help me? Will you teach me? Will you guide, you know, guide me and and will you help me sense your presence in my life and experience it? Um you know, that's the thing about God is you can ask him whatever you want. Yeah. So that doesn't mean he's going to do it, but you can ask him. Yeah. 
God, will you speak to me? Will you reveal yourself to me? Will you do something that helps me? I, I you know, I, my, I have, I have little faith, you know, like I need, I need a little bit more. Um, and see what happens. Okay. I'll do that. Yeah. You know, and maybe it's just, I don't, I know I don't deserve more, but I'm, I'm weak. God help me, which don't take that. Like that's a prayer I say. Yeah. You know, well, we have an important Sunday coming up this Sunday. Yeah. Uh, we're doing a prayer Sunday. That's right. Leading up to, uh, Christmas through Advent. Yep. So, um, not only are we going to have a prayer Sunday, but then the following week, we are going to have people uh, pray pray with us. Yes. We're going to, wanna... we're going to all pray for six days yeah. out loud at 514 PM every day. Yeah. And why that, why that's just a obscure time out of yeah. the air, right? Yeah. Just out of the air. Yeah. So I think that's, uh, it would be. It's going to be pretty amazing to see what God does through the consistent, persistent, unified prayers of the church, leading up to the you know the time of 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 the celebration of of the birth of Christ. So we're going to have people. You know, we're going to do push notifications and remind people to put in their calendar. And you know, I'm going to say, here's the here it is. You know. Every, yeah. every, at 514, pray out loud, say, thank you, God, you know, for being Emmanuel and being with us. Thank you for being with me. And, you know, please help this Christmas to uh, open up someone, someone else's eyes to your gift and who you are. Yeah. I'm excited mm -hmm. uh, to do this with everyone. Yeah. I hope everyone takes part in it. Yeah. Um, and we'll have a, a couple of things, a few things um, that people can pray about. Mm -hmm. And then also um, just think about what you guys want to personally yeah. take to God during that time as yeah. well. It's going to be great. All right. Well, um, we have a lot Short to do. Short and sweet. Yeah. So we'll get back to it next week. We'll see you all uh, to discuss Prayer Sunday yeah. on the rest. Yeah, buddy. Yeah.